The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by the governor, Mitch Krumpetich. My fellow Americans. That's right. Thank you, Mitch. And (laughs) this week on the show, we'll break down the Suns preseason. We'll wrap things up a little bit there, talk about the Lakers series, and then after that, we'll get into the regular season and talk about the first three games of the season against the Mavericks and two against the Kings. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right. The Lakers series. The first thing I want to say is I talked some smack about Taylor Horton Tucker on the show last week, and I take it all back. That dude can play some basketball. I, I just want to get that out of the way because I was pretty critical of him, but he he's all right. He's going to get some minutes for him. Uh, you know, I was thinking the exact opposite, actually. Really? I, I think he's yeah. perfect when LeBron and AD like aren't on the court. When they when they need when those guys need a blow, you can put him in and he can kind of do it all for uh, a young guy like that. He's got the size and strength and he can finish. I'm a fan. This this may be my homerism coming out here. But I'm like, he's just putting up good numbers against backups and scrubs from other teams in the preseason. All right, I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> Horton Tucker to start this show off. Right, let's exactly. Just, let's just. Don't uh, I don't like the Lakers. Like oh, I really no. don't like the Lakers. I don't either. I re- I really dislike him. And I texted you last night and I said I thought that the NBA banned running down the court complaining after you get called for a foul, and that that's like the LeBron James special now. That's right. every every time he gets blown for a, anything. Right. He's sprinting down the court complaining. That's it's obnoxious. Yeah. It's and it's that's almost, preseason. It's preseason right. too. At this point, that is almost as he's almost as well known for that as he is for that like throwing the chalk into the air thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like I want to see the silhouette of LeBron like sprinting down the court, yelling with spit flying everywhere with the ref like five feet away. He should just do them both at the same time to get the game started. You know, throw the chalk up and then run through the chalk with his hands out, complaining and yelling the full length of the court. Everybody loves that. They eat it up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I I really don't like the Lakers, though. I mean, annoying. and and then they they put out Markeith Morris out on that roster and they actually play him with that bench unit. It's Morris and Harrell. And, you know, those guys are just they're. They're out there to go hit people. Yeah, and of Morris course, is washed man. Yeah, he Marquise is. And Morris is just washed. Harold wears number. Yeah, Harold's still pretty good, but uh, yeah, Marquise wears number eighty-eight too. Like, Why? just like slap in the face. Like, he doesn't make, even care anymore. Right to make the refs just like 
work that much harder when he fouls someone. <laughs> yeah, but you got you can't do the you can't do it on one hand. You got to do right. two hands two times. You got to right. five exactly. and the three, then the five and the three. Right. It's friend of the show, Josh Cranwetter, always says he thinks it should be illegal for players in the NBA to wear a number that cannot be made on one hand. So like 55 is fine. That's the tops though. Right. That would be the highest. So it's, you know, anywhere between zero and five is fine. And then double digits is fine. As long as it's between zero and five, that's what he always says. And I mean, I don't know because like my favorite number is 16. I've always liked 16. So when I play 2K or whatever, I'm 16, which I think is more reasonable than 88. And I know we have no room to talk because Jay Crowder wears 99. But that's okay. Yeah. Though. He's, he's on our team. He's not yeah. on the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> I'm not going to be that much of Homer. I actually don't like 99. Like, that's the number of a defensive end. Yeah. I don't know. 99, whatever. Wait, you can, can you do number 16, though? Because you can't put a six up on one hand. Right. That's what I'm saying. Are you okay with that? Like, Josh wouldn't be. Yeah. I feel like 16 is more reasonable than 88 or 99. I feel like we should go way back and then guards wear numbers between 1 and 19, or let's say 15 to keep Josh happy. Yeah. And then shooting, and then, I mean, they go all the way up to 29. Then forwards go from 30 to 49, and then centers in the 50s. That's the traditional numbering method, and you can relate this to football, too, because uh, interior linemen, 50s and 60s, sometimes 50s. You can you see a center every once in a while wearing 50, but then uh, the tackles are always in the 70s. D linemen, traditionally in the 90s. Linebackers, traditionally in the 50s. You know, like, I think right. we should follow this stuff. I don't want everyone on my team numbered 0 through 9. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I care about it that much. It just bugs me that Marquis for is 88. Yeah, this see, we start the show off talking about Lakers, and this happens. This is what happens when we play the Lakers. You just got to let it all out. Yeah. And then when they make 50% of their threes, I mean, LeBron and AD shot, what, 15 combined threes in this last game and only missed two? Yeah. And as a team, they were just lights out. That I mean, I would have really loved to see us win one of these games against the Lakers right. and right. even just win one in the preseason to get the little taste before you head into the regular. Mm-hmm. I would have really liked to see that. It would have been nice. I mean, keep in mind, we didn't have Dario Sarge. I mean, Dario would have shut both those guys down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. I mean, we didn't have our full squad, though. I mean, we didn't have Dario. Cam Johnson barely played. Well, in this first game, he didn't play at all. You know, right? I'm thinking of the second game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely... This is different than regular season. And even on the broadcasts, like, the, the commentators... I, I wanted to say Eddie, but I'm thinking of the second game. They were just saying, like, this is a practice. Do not put put much weight into this. They are essentially scrimmaging. These guys are taking it easy and getting ready for the regular season. I mean, they're still competing. All these guys are just hardcore competitors. You have to be to be in the NBA. But like, they're like, don't take this too seriously. It's preseason. Yep, I, I completely 
agree with that. But then again, when you see a guy who's who looks ready to play, you got to take that into account too. Devin yeah. Booker, he's ready to play. He, he is ready to play. I mean, he he looks like he's in midseason form. Uh, you know, the my one gripe with Booker, especially in the game last night, the other night, uh, just some stupid fouls. And yeah, I I know some of that is frustration, and some of it is, eh, it's preseason. Might as well use them up. And if I have to get yanked out of the game a little early, it's not the end of the world. But I mean, when when we get around to the regular season, I don't want to see him getting in foul trouble like early in the game. I saw him pick up an early one or two, and that that just worries you and the whole team after that because you got to keep in mind, D-Book's got to play safe. The other team starts targeting him, and then you got to worry about how are you going to get your buckets late in the game if he fouls out. That all happens. Yeah. Well, and you know what? That was an issue a little bit last year. There would be times where he would get two or three fouls pretty quickly. And then he'd be in the game toward the end with four or five fouls, and he would have to play pretty softly. And we already know he can struggle on defense. He has gotten better, but, I mean, there's going to be a lot of times in this coming season that he's going to be our worst defender on the court. You know, when he's out there with Chris Paul, who's a good defender, Jay Crowder, who's a great defender, Mikhail Bridges, who's a great defender, DeAndre Ayton, who isn't great, but is a decent defender and has gotten a lot better. I mean, who who are guys going to go at? It's going to be Booker. Right. That's that's the sad truth, but I, that's a good truth to have, I, I suppose, because we've finally surrounded him in a way where, I mean, look at look at how he's surrounded compared to what the first years of his career. Oh yeah. All-star point guard. And then a wing next to him who can guard the best player on the other team and mm-hmm. lets Devin, you know, take, or excuse me, book. Don't call him Devin. That's right. Don't call him Devin. Book or <laughs> Forgot Booker. about that. That's all right. But you know, Mikhail can cover up for him and then Aiton should be the guy who can control the paint. And then Jay Crowder and obviously another guy who can defend. It, it, there's shooters all around him. There's defenders all around him. This should be the year for Devin Booker leading a team to the playoffs. And yes, a, another quick note we we mentioned when Book gets into foul trouble, then we honestly start worrying about who's going to be scoring the buckets. Chris Paul is that guy now. Right. Who you know it's either going to come through the pick and roll, him him pulling up for a little mid range jumper where he's just money. Or feeding the man, the role man, which we finally got to see a little CP3 and Aiton connection. And, you know, we, we just got little tastes of it, but you can't help but get real excited when you see those two connect on anything right now because you know it's only going to get better the longer, the further along we get into the year. Right, right. And in this first preseason game against the Lakers last Wednesday, Aiton has 21 points on 8 for 10 shooting, and he had three or four back-to-back-to-back offensive sequences where Chris Paul just feeds him perfectly on the pick-and-roll. And it was really nice, especially because of the game before that. Aiton looked out of shape. He looked rusty. He wasn't given much effort. Monty was yelling at him. The whole team was yelling at him. And then we all see this news of, DeAndre and Chris Paul are watching tape together before the game and that kind of stuff, which is great. So 
I think Aiton is still going to have some of these up and down days. This is stuff that we have, we've known to expect this since he was drafted. These were things that we said, yeah, DeAndre Aiton sometimes lacks some motivation. Sometimes he needs guys to light that fire under him. And then he goes out and he has all these interviews where he says, oh, dominate and, and I'm really aggressive and it comes naturally to me. Uh, maybe it's a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Because we know that's not true. He struggles and he plays pretty softly sometimes. But having Chris Paul to be in his ear at all times and say, that's not going to work. You got to be tough every second that you're out there. And this little turnaround jumper, I don't care if you make it. We don't want that. It's going to be nice. Yeah, it is. The thing that I still worry about, though, when Aiton needs to come off the court or Aiton gets in foul trouble, the backup center position, which was yeah. not answered in this preseason, especially no, because no no Saric. We didn't even get to see what it right. looks like. We, we did in the bubble. We saw Dario play backup center. But I, I would have really liked to see a little bit of that run in the preseason. And could could he was he even eligible to play? He could have played. Dario. He could have. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Was it, I didn't notice him on the bench. Was, was he sitting on the bench? I didn't notice him, but yeah, like I'm looking at a box score right now from this first Lakers game. And it just says DNP sore right quadriceps. Oh, okay. So, Man, I I, yeah. I missed the sore right quad. I didn't see anything about that. So yeah, <laughs> sore right quad. Yep. I, yeah, that was a. That was going to be a tongue twister almost. But yeah, we're okay. DN, DNP soreness is the thing. Sorry. But one thing we got to talk about in this game is the results of the bet question. Oh. So I'll, I'll go with our result first, and then we'll get to the shout-out. So we were predicting Devin Booker points. You said 12, and I said 14, and he had 16. So shout-out to me, I suppose. Shout-out. <laughs> To the governor. Still the preseason, though. Yeah. Just just a little warm-up before we get serious here. But shout-out to Omar. On Twitter, it's at midcard at best, who was right on. 16. Right on the top. That doesn't happen super often. No, People don't typically, even between you and I, we don't usually get it right on. It's pretty tough to predict something like this exactly. So shout out to Omar, 16, right on the dot. Well done, sir. All right. So let's talk about the rookie a little bit. We've got to see Jalen Smith play in, you know, quite a few different situations through this preseason. And I'm a little worried about him, to tell you the truth. It looks like he never really found the groove. It looks like the confidence was there. Maybe it was some hyped up energy, but uh, you know, if we, I, I don't want to compare him to Dragon Bender, but let's do it for a second. If Bender were to have a shaky game like that, uh, he would have disappeared for the next few. He wouldn't have wanted to shoot. He w- he would have just been wanting to fire the ball off, pass it as soon as he touched it. So I, I'm excited that. You know, he's not shied away from taking shots. I'd like to see a few more fall, obviously, though. Yeah, so I'm not worried. He's going to find his footing. It's been four preseason games. He's a rookie. He's a, I suppose you could say, project. 
I am not that concerned. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's going to play that much, period. We don't need him to. I, I like that he got a little chance to be aggressive in preseason, and he was definitely aggressive. It didn't always go well. But he's going to have the opportunity to sit behind all our guys, DeAndre Ayton and Sarich and Cam Johnson, whatever he ends up playing, the four or the five or whatever. He'll be fine. We're just I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Jalen Smith minutes this year. Yeah, and man, if, if Dario had been playing, maybe, I don't know, that would have taken some of the pressure off of him and just the fact that we've seen Dario play with the, the team. Maybe I wouldn't be so worried about him, but yeah, maybe he doesn't get a ton of minutes. Maybe he's the, you know, 11th guy off the bench. Right, exactly. I just think we're so conditioned to expecting these guys to do big things right off the bat. Right. This is really the first time in quite a while that we haven't had super high expectations of a rookie and needed a rookie to perform really well right away. Yeah, that's that's very true. But yeah. I mean still we got to we got to think about Damian Jones and uh Jonathan Motley. Yeah. Are, these guys have been I I haven't seen a ton good out of either one of them. No, no. Throughout the entire preseason. And had Dario been there, had only one of them maybe been getting minutes through the preseason, you know, like big minutes like they both really had been playing. That it just I'm a little concerned about it because do do we keep uh Damian Jones who's just a he's a house of a man. He's he's huge and mm-hmm. he's a good athlete. Is that what we want to keep at the end of the bench, or or do we keep Motley, who, man, I don't even know what to say about Motley. It seems like he's just not not ready for the NBA. He should maybe, right. he's maybe a year or two away if he can get a little more, I don't know, like the intangibles aren't there, it feels like. Right. He's got a halfway decent shot, but nothing else, really. Like you said, the intangibles are, are not there, and... The people like uh, Van Gundy on the broadcast in that last Lakers game was talking him up, and I was a little confused. Like, I don't know what he was seeing. And I mean, you want the guy to succeed. And if we signed him to like a two way deal, I wouldn't be mad. I want to use those two way contracts. Yep. But yeah, he, he did hit a couple nice shots. I got to give him that. But yeah, the, the backup center is definitely the position with the most concern. Right. I, I think if we're, if we can feel solid that Dario and Smith can handle the backup five duties, uh, I, I hope that's the case, man, because yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Jones or Motley really deserve a, a roster spot at this point. Right. I think, I think one of them, We'll get one. I said from the beginning, Jonathan Motley is not going to be on this team. He's a training camp guy. But you know what? I saw that that NBA teams are going to be allowed to have a slightly larger roster this year just because of COVID. So maybe they will both stay on the team. Hmm. That is possible just because of COVID stuff. Yeah, I, I suppose that's good because... When a big man goes down or gets in foul trouble, you kind of need another big man. Right. Or, because, I mean, th- this is worst case scenario, but 
gets COVID. Oh, that's yeah. That's what we have to think about this year. Yeah. Because no, let's say, oh. I mean, let's say worst case scenario here, DeAndre Ayton tests positive for COVID and no one else does. He quarantines and does everything he needs to. But we probably still play that game. If yeah. one guy tests positive, we still play. So then what do we do? We start Dario. And then what happens from there? So we got to think about that. I was also wondering when the, the NBA players will be able to get the vaccine. I don't know what that's going to be like. But that could be a game changer too. Because yeah. that could happen part of the way through the season. I'd let my boys on the Suns get the vaccine before I did. <laughs> I'd give mine know. up. I'd give mine up as long as I got it, you know, relatively shortly after. I did. And that. like, if you knew your vaccine was going to Devin Booker, <laughs> yeah, I'd say yeah, cool. we can do it. <laughs> I'm here for the basketball. I'll, I will literally stay in my house just so I can watch basketball if, that, if that's the case. I'll do funny it. Funny thought, though. Kind of funny thought. Man, this has been quite the preseason wrap-up. We've been on some trips on this little segment here. We have. Yeah, we have. <laughs> so we, we got to see a game without campaign. I think he had some ankle soreness, right? He did. All right, so we, he sat out. We got to see a little more Javon. We saw Javon start while Chris was out. So we've gotten a little a little taste of pretty much everything that we're going to see. Is there a, a, a duo that you favor that includes, you know, one of those guys coming off the bench? Do you like how they fit with the starters or do you like how they fit with each other? Yeah. So I can't believe I'm going to say this because it's the exact opposite of what I said at the beginning of the preseason. But Javon Carter and Langston Galloway together has been really nice. <laughs> and at the very beginning, I said, campaign and Etwan Moore for sure. And now I'm flipped. <laughs> They've looked good. Well, that's a good thing to have happening, though, really. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not, you know, it's still not for sure who who's going to play what position in that backcourt rotation. Who's going to come in first? Who comes in for who? We really have no idea. The one thing I do know is that Langston Galloway shot 23 threes in preseason and made 12 of them. Yeah. So. He's going for, what is that, 52%, I believe? That'll work. And that that quick release that he has, it's it's dangerous. And, I mean, he seems like he hustles out there on defense. I yeah. saw him get a little chippy with uh, Wesley Matthews. And, it, I like, who <laughs> who cares? But I saw it. <laughs> it was I liked it. I like seeing that. You know, he was there to play. He doesn't want to lose games. And I, I just love the attitude. Pair him with Javon. That's nice. Yeah, it was nice. And yeah, I I have enjoyed his ability to create a little bit for himself. Yeah. I compare that to you. You made this comparison earlier. You when you texted me this, you said Troy Daniels, but he can actually play basketball. I I like that comparison. Or I think about we've had over the years we've had some shooting specialists going back to Mirza Toledovic or. Oh, Troy Daniels, like you said, or who else have we had who just comes in to shoot threes? We, we've had a variety of guys. Yeah. Langston Galloway does that, and he actually plays basketball. Yeah. So 
it's nice that he can put the ball on the deck a little bit, play a little bit of defense, grab a rebound here and there, and still shoot the lights out. And I haven't been mad with the two undersized guard rotation thing because no. we can't even call it two point guard rotation because Javon and Langston aren't they're not true point guards so right. we'll just call it the small guard rotation and like Javon and Langston they they can do the job I don't know if the you know maybe the kind of offense that we're planning to run pick and roll heavy maybe that struggles a little bit with those two guys in but I mean, get into some other sort of offense. Spread it out. Everyone can hit it. I mean, Javon's right. been shooting it so nice, too. He's been yes. he's been solid in the preseason. And I love that all these guys, even campaign, had a nice game in this last Lakers one. Yes. They're making this difficult on Monty. That's right. And that's the beauty of this. These guys aren't going to stay hot the whole season. Right. So when, when one of those guys slows down then maybe that's Etwan Moore's time to shine. And Javon slows down a little bit and campaign comes in. And then they slow down and you switch it. We have a lot of options. It'll be nice. Yeah, so we've been talking about this since, you know, after the draft, more or less, or after the bubble. What is the rotation going to look like after we sign these free agents? Nothing's yeah. truly been answered. because One, because we didn't get to see Dario play with the bigs. And then two, the guard rotation has just been so competitive, we still can't even, you know, make, right. make what's what of it. And that's, that's fine. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. And you don't want to give away too much in the preseason anyway. So I don't mind this. It does look like we have a clear starting lineup, though, which this was pretty straightforward from the beginning. There was really only one position that we weren't sure about. And it looks like it's going to be... Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton. Yep. I know we weren't sure if it would be Jay Crowder versus Cam Johnson, but it's pretty clear that Jay Crowder is going to start. Yeah, I I, uh, I was holding out for Cam a little bit, but I mean, him coming off the bench and being able to be a guy who can score with our bench unit, we, we need that. And yeah. I, he's been doing a little more. I love when he just puts down one dribble into the lane, pulls up for a jumper. Because right. he can elevate over everybody. He's, you know, I feel cool with him putting down a dribble. Unlike, mm -hmm. you know, you would a power forward years ago. You wouldn't want him to even put down a dribble. But, right. I mean, and then look at Cam Johnson. Like, he gets matched up against Anthony Davis. He, Anthony Davis had a huge game. But, I mean, we got we got Cam Johnson guarding Anthony Davis now. And it's not, it's not terrible. I mean. Right seems like everybody's we're just coming into a good place and i would have loved to see one win in the preseason but let's, yeah we can save them for the the regular that's fine right well and especially in this last game against the lakers it's a one-point game monty has the opportunity to draw up a play and it either doesn't work or he doesn't want to show his hand at this point on what he's gonna do in that situation in the regular season and yeah. we get off a a shot that's not any good. Yeah. And it was fine. So we we could have had a much better shot, a much better opportunity, but you don't want to show your hand of what you're going to do in those situations. Very true. On to the next one, which is the regular season, and let's start talking about those games. Very exciting. So first game of the year on the 23rd, Wednesday, 8.30, Suns versus Mavericks. And... Is this year three of opening against the Mavericks or four? I think so. Yeah, I mean, 
I, it'd be interesting to think about over the last 10 years, how many times have we played the Blazers or the Mavs as the first game of the season? Right. It's the majority. It feels that way. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's the uh, the big Aiton versus Luka game. And Aiton always shows out against the Mavericks. We have to keep that in mind. I, I like how we match up with them, especially if they don't have KP in the lineup. Because, I mean... I still, I really feel like it's a one-man show there. Without KP, they they don't have much else going. You just got to worry about keeping Luca quiet. Right. And it reminds me a little bit of like a college team, kind of. A lot of college teams will have one guy who's just really dominant, who goes out and scores 30 or 35 points, and everyone else puts in six or eight points. And then, you know, they, they beat their conference competition and then go to the tournament and they don't do that great. That's kind of what the Mavs remind me of a little bit. And Gonzaga Gozags was playing Iowa today and Iowa has that Luca Garza. So same name, funny ah. comparison, but kind of the same thing there. And Iowa has some decent other players, but it's really the Garza show there. And yeah, he had 30 points and they lost by 11. So that's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to throw shade at the rest of those guys. I mean, they just got no. Josh Richardson. He's a solid player. He's had a nice preseason, too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have good pieces around Luka that, you know, Luka draws so much uh, defense everywhere he goes. If he gets into the lane, there's going to be five guys looking at him. So, you know, having guys around him that can just knock down shots or – on the other side of the floor, play some defense to help make up for that. We know all about that with uh, Booker being our star. So right. I, I think they have the the right pieces around him. I don't know if KP's like the next, the best two guy that's going to propel them to going deep into the playoffs necessarily, but I don't know. I just want to see us win this game. That, that's the that's the number one thing. I We just need to yeah. win. Yeah, and you know, I feel good about it. I think we will. It's also ESPN. It's a nationally televised game to start. We know Booker loves that. We're getting all the national TV love with Chris Paul. But one thing we need to talk about in this game is this is the first regular season bet question. So we had our warm-up last week. This is where things get real. So... The question for this week, and as always, you can chime in at Sunny and PHX Pod on Twitter. Let us know what your prediction is, and you'll get that shout out, just like Omar did today. But the question is, how many assists will Chris Paul have in his regular season debut with the Suns? I want you to go first. I have to go first. Yeah, you've been winning too many lately. That's true. I want I want a little bit of an advantage. You know here. what? At the end of last season. I won like five in a row or something. I know. I started off real hot, then you you took over. Yeah. I'm going to say 10. 10. Just a nice 10. I like it. You know, we saw that game where he had four points, eight rebounds, eight assists. That seemed pretty easy to do, and I don't... I don't know how many minutes he played, but I'm going to assume he plays more in the opening game of the season. I think he played 18 minutes. Oh, Wow. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm not going to be a meanie and go one over. I'll say 12. 12. I thought about saying 12. I did. Yeah. 
I wouldn't be surprised. And we we got spoiled last year with R- Ricky and the you know the chemistry that he built with all of our guys. Chris doesn't hasn't had that time yet, but man, I think he's gonna be a he's just such a smart player. He's always gonna be finding the open guy and so many opportunities for Aiton now. I, they're gonna come easy for him this year. I yeah, I feel confident with twelve. Okay, twelve. So yeah, let us know. And I'll tweet the question out before the game on Wednesday. But, yeah, tweet at us, and you'll get a shout-out, whoever's closest. All right, after the Mavericks game, we play the Kings back-to-back in Sacramento. That's on the 26th and the 27th. And the Kings, you know, I was listening to the No Dunks podcast, and they they said that they – I can't remember who it was, but he said the Kings are his sneaky pick to make it into the playoffs this year. Yeah. And I thought that was outrageous. Am I am I yeah. far off? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, this is what everyone has been saying lately. Everyone in the West, except for the Thunder, are trying to make the playoffs, pretty much. Which is fair. That's a good assessment, I think. I don't think the Kings are going to be that great. I think people do like that they got Tyrese Halliburton. That was kind of one of the steals of the draft. But he's also a rookie, and we don't know how he's going to fit in with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. There might be some growing pains there. I don't know. They, I don't think they're a playoff team. No, I, I really don't either. I, I, I do think that Fox is a stud. Buddy's been making great steps to you know try to become more than just a shooter. I, I like what he brings. And then, you know, they have Marvin Bagley. They extended him for the they picked up his team option, so he'll be back next year. They they have confidence that he's gonna, you know, start playing up to his draft position. It it seems like they have some nice pieces there, but it, it's still the Kings to me. I don't yeah. I don't see them going any further than what they, you know, did last year. Yeah. Well, I could see them being maybe a little bit better because Marvin Bagley, I think we forget how good he is because he's been injured. He has not played, he didn't play a full season last year, and he looked pretty good when he did play. So I do want to give them that. But we, yeah, they are the Kings. They're the only team in the the NFL, in the (laughs) NBA, in the league that has a longer playoff drought than we do. Yeah. That's that's true. And you know, they they have interesting pieces there, but who knows how it works. They have Harrison Barnes. They have Whiteside now. He's always he's a hit or miss kind of guy. Yeah. Glenn Robinson. Bielitsa. There, there's studs that Frank Kaminsky. There, there's good <laughs> basketball players there, but it just when you look up and down that roster, does it look like a cohesive team? I, I right. don't know if that's a winning team. Right. And none of those guys are players that move the needle too much right. they're solid good players but nothing special so yeah well you know this is back-to-back nights for a potential frank kaminsky revenge game to happen it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a little concerning <laughs> to me i'm not gonna lie how I, many hot hot guy <laughs> three-point celebrations are we going to be seeing i i would think maybe two <laughs> one a night <laughs> one, one a night I'm, yeah. I I don't think I would say I'm concerned about <laughs> no. Frank too much. I think we'll be okay. It, this It's good to highlight this here, though, I think. The COVID schedule is already very, very apparent at the beginning of this. We've been home 
you know, these two Lakers games have been at home. And then we're not going to travel until the 26th. So we'll be home for almost two weeks straight. Then we play one game. Then we go play the Kings for two games. And I believe we come back home after that. Yep. Then so, we come back home for the Pelicans. And then after that, we go to Utah and then to Denver. So we're seeing the regional thing. It's it's yes, happening. And very little travel, long stints where we're at home. I wonder if, like, to get between uh, Denver and Utah, I wonder if they do a private plane for this now. They should go old school and get a bus. Yeah. Why yeah. not? I don't know. Imagine how cool like a, a bus would be nowadays compared to how the old dudes got to and from games. I bet a bus would be pretty legit if a team were to deck one out. Yeah, yeah, that could be cool. I don't know. Or you know, a plane. They, most uh, owners have the money to you know maybe buy a buy a big jet. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how that works exactly, but. Yeah, we're definitely seeing the the change in the the schedule and the travel, and it'll be interesting to see how this affects play, because I imagine we'll play a little bit a little bit better. Going on the road won't be as hard. Less time changes, less shorter flights, all of that kind of stuff. It'll be interesting. And you kind of have to take into consideration playing a team back to back nights. That doesn't happen a ton. Usually, and I mean, even in the like in the playoffs, there's always a day off in between at a minimum. So that's just two nights back to back playing the same team, playing the same guys, probably running the same offense with little wrinkles in there. Uh, I mean, if you beat a team twice in a row in a situation like that, I think that's a that's a pretty big statement. Like we're we're better than you. That's two in a row, two days in a row. See you later. Exactly. Yeah, it's you know it's why it's a best of seven series for the playoffs, because if we look in the NFL or in college or whatever, there's sometimes flukes per se, or teams get lucky, right. or one team has an off night. But in the NHL and the NBA, it's really proving who's the best. You have to beat the team four times. So, yeah, if you can beat a team twice in a row especially on the road at their home court that'll say a lot imagine that imagine starting the season off like that you have the mavericks come to phoenix you beat them you get on the plane you fly to sacramento you beat them back-to-back nights then who's gonna stop you you know at that point you got to be feeling on top of the world ready to take on anybody man a three and oh start would be would be nice but do you care to do you care to predict do you think we're going three and oh I would love to say that. I think realistically, two and one, we drop one of these games. Maybe, maybe second night of a back-to-back away against the same team. If we dropped that, I don't think I would be. I mean, I want to win all of them, of course, but I don't think I would be completely mm-hmm. upset. I think two and one is realistic. Yeah, I don't want to see us start one and two after the first week. I, I want two and one. That's not yeah. too crazy to. And, and still, we haven't seen everything yet. We haven't seen Dario yet. We haven't seen Chris. Chris Paul's going to get another, you know, week with everybody mm-hmm. else on the squad. They're going to get everything ironed out. I'm, Whoa. I'm, I'm yeah. really excited for this. And I, I was yeah. talking to kind of a casual basketball fan, someone who lives in Phoenix, kind of follows the Suns, 
And I said, did you know that the Suns got Chris Paul? And they got so they were so surprised and they're like, oh, the Suns are going to be good now. Like they, they got excited about that. I, yeah. I if everybody feels that way, man, I, I hope it's the truth. I haven't heard anybody say that we're going to like, oh, Chris Paul's here. That's not going to do anything. Everybody thinks we're making the playoffs now. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the GM survey, for instance, came out. And they do this every year where they they ask questions. Who's going to win the championship? Who would you pick to be the, the centerpiece of your team if we had to start over? And who's the best point guard? Who's the best shooting guard? And they pick like a top five. And Booker and Chris Paul are on those lists of the top five best guards and that kind of thing. The other thing that's interesting is the – the Suns did their State of the Suns event like they do every year, but it was virtual. This was last week, and I I listened to it, and it was a little bit interesting. Monty had a piece in there where he said last year he would go to Fry's or be out and about, and people would see him and say, wow, you're really tall. This year, after acquiring Chris Paul, he goes out and people say, oh, you're the Sunset coach. Oh, you're Monty Williams. And people hmm. know him now. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. Oh, that that's pretty cool to hear. And I like the pressure that brings, too. You know, Monty's walking around getting recognized by average Joe in the grocery store. So guess who's going to keep that in mind every every game? Like, that's right. Is it going to be rough for me to go to the grocery store if we lose back-to-back games is that gonna uh, i i like that i like that a little bit i i feel for these guys though you know everything they do is on camera and documented all the time that's rough but i I like the little extra extra spice that brings to the whole thing yeah the exposure and i was thinking about this too in in our last preseason game you know these state farm commercials come on chris paul is in them and i pointed this out i said that's our point guard. He's in all of these commercials. Chris Paul is a very well-known person. So, yeah, there is that added element of pressure. I like it. We're we're due for something like that. It. I mean, were the Nash Stoudemire days quite as hype as the Barkley days were? Because I think Barkley was a... You know, he was a star. He had the personality, but we got MV Steve too. Right. Everybody loves Steve. I don't know. This is a this is a big name here, and it's cool. We got you know we got Larry Fitzgerald here. Devin Booker's trying to fill into those shoes, and, right. then, and then we got Chris Paul here now. He, he's joining the the exclusive elite club of like you know superstars in their sports. Right. It's, it's cool. It's I think it's just a little bit different just because of social media. We had this a little bit like Facebook was around, Twitter was around when when Nash was still here, when Shaq was here, but it wasn't anything like what it's like now. It was not nearly as popular. There weren't as many people on it. Now, anytime there's news, we all know it. Yeah, we I'm sure we all have notifications for Woj and Shams turned on. We all find out everything the instant it happens. And we've never had that before. So I think that's a big difference. And with that, we will move to our non-sports section of the show. 
So we promised this last week. We said we'd do two Christmas-related non-sports questions. So last week, we talked about our favorite Christmas movies. This week, favorite Christmas scent. What is your favorite Christmas scent? Ooh. So I just, I, I think of the candles. It's kind of what I go to. The Christmas candles. Everyone has Christmas candles. My favorite is the... It's not exactly like the potpourri type smell, but the the more apple apple like spiced apple. That's what wow. I'm talking about. That's my favorite, and it seems like it's a Christmas one. It only comes around every once in a while, but that's my go-to. Backup mm-hmm. though, special shout out for uh, Scentsy. Have you ever had those like wax? I think I have. Yeah. There's one they do seasonally called Snowberry. Mm. and it's delicious it it smells so good and it's mm. a little fruity it smells like a berry but mm. it, it reminds you of christmas for some reason i don't know it it smells really good okay yeah i i think christmas tree pine or spruce yep. that's classic that's a given at this point that stuff is so great and when I was a kid, we always had a real Christmas tree growing up Ooh. in Wyoming. Nowadays, it's the fake tree. I've had the same fake tree for years, and I just get the candle. But a real Christmas tree, you can't beat that. That's the best. That's the truth. We've we've never done the the real one. Yeah, I've I've uh, obviously witnessed them, and they they make a house smell so nice. Yeah, they're a lot of work. But they're yeah. they're nice. They're very nice. And I imagine once you know, once we have a, a larger family, we'll I, I want to do that for my kids eventually when they're around, you know. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna be a boss and chop it down yourself? Are you gonna go to that extent or are you just gonna buy one? Probably just buy one. I have cut down my own tree before. And it's fun. It wasn't like going out into the forest and doing it. You have to have a permit, I think, to do that correctly. Yeah. But um, I I did when I was in college in Spokane. Shout out to Green Bluff. Green Bluff was a it was an apple farm, and they had pumpkins, so you could do the pumpkin patch deal and a Christmas tree farm as well. And you could go down, and they would they'd give you the saw and everything and you'd pick it out. And so I have cut it down myself in that regard and it's fun. Um, but yeah, I, I don't go out with an ax into the actual forest or anything like that. Get you um, an ax and a flannel shirt. <laughs> I do have some like flannel it. shirts that I like a lot. That's right. But Christmas tree is great. Also freshly baked cookies. There's something about Christmas cookies. Yeah. That's a good smell. Like I like the sugar cookie smell when yeah. I think about it, like the just straight sugar cookie. Yeah. I haven't had a sugar cookie in a while. Someone brought them into work, like as a gift or something, and we had those the other day. Or my mom makes those spritz cookies. I know I gave you some of those. Yes. I think those things are great. And yes. Those things baking, they smell pretty good. Oh, yeah. it is the season. It is. No, there's a lot of great smells in this season, definitely. So, yeah, let us know what yours are, too. I, I like hearing about the, the bat question and the non-sports. I like hearing everyone's answers on the non-sports. Favorite Christmas scent? Yes, sir. 
All right. Well, we thank you guys for tuning in. Real excited for some regular season Suns basketball coming right up. Uh, yeah, be sure to hit us back with the bet question and your favorite Christmas scent at Sunny and PHX Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Check them out, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Go Suns!